Well, good morning, Victory family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I am privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconcile to God and to each other. And I'm grateful that you've joined us this morning for 29 minutes and pray that you will be encouraged by what you've already read in Philippians 4, if you read it, and uh, by hopefully what you hear through that particular text uh, this morning. We're just glad uh, to, to have this medium through which to still communicate uh, the gospel and have a conversation about just how good he continues to be uh, to all of us. We've been focusing this month of August on the book of Philippians, uh, and we'll be ending that series today. Uh, to be clear, we could spend four months talking about the book of Philippians, uh, just spending a, a month per chapter. And so uh, I pray that, though, as we've captured the sort of broader themes in the book of Philippians, that there has been uh, some enhanced perspective uh, as appropriate on ways that we can study Scripture in general in terms of the questions we ask of each text that we read. Um, and then perhaps more specifically, the perspective on the Apostle Paul and his pastoral care for the churches that God calls him to plant, particularly here, the church at Philippi, um, even and especially during these uh, trying times. Um, he is, of course, the Apostle Paul that is writing this book from prison and sharing how the church can continue to reflect Jesus well. Um, and by extension, I'm sure there are encouragements that we can also hold on to, uh, even in the midst of our own trying times. And I think it's pretty safe to say uh, that we are in the midst of um, some surreal and trying times on a number of a number of levels. Uh, many are tired. Uh, many are uh, just exasperated. Uh, many are feeling helpless, maybe even hopeless, worn down, uh, fearful. Um, and yet the same Jesus that was in the boat with the disciples in Mark chapter 4, uh, that same Jesus is also in this uh, figurative boat, if you will, with us and present today, uh, with all power still in his hand to speak to the, the figurative and, and literal winds and the waves, and they must obey. And just knowing that that power rests with him, I pray uh, that we all can rest in him. Uh, just as he was sleeping on the boat, I pray that we too can find rest in the midst of what really are some furious storms of life. Collectively and no doubt individually, we find ourselves either going into something, coming out of something, or in the midst of something right now. And so thank God Jesus is in the boat with us in each of those seasons. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 4, and we're going to read the entire chapter this morning as we've done the last few weeks. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 verses 1 through uh, 23. And let's just pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study the Word of God. I pray according to Psalm 119 and 18 that says, Open our eyes so that we may see all of the wonderful things in your law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 23 reads this way. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. 
I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, the title of the message this morning is, Let the Church Say Amen. Let the Church Say Amen. I can recall many a preacher growing up in my childhood home uttering that very phrase, let the church say amen. I grew up attending a predominantly uh, African-American church uh, with very traditional black church culture and liturgy and practices, and all of which has profoundly shaped who I am today. Even now, as we say amen to the particular call uh, on our lives for this city in this specific season of our lives, I can't help but be so reminded of and grateful for, indebted to, my roots. 
I don't have the time to discuss it today, but there is no victory or vision, I'll say, uh, of Victory Church written in my journal in 2014 without my incredible love for and experience in my childhood church. I can recall with, with much clarity the sense of unity, the sense of uh, uh, collective strength and resilience when we together said amen orally and with our lives. Amen to who God is, regardless of circumstances. Even when I reflect back on uh, Charles Smith of the New York Knicks, I think it was uh, early 90s, about 93, when he had about four opportunities to get that layup in, we still said amen. Even when folks in the congregation were there one Sunday, and the next Sunday, we were mourning their tragic and at times very violent departures from this life. Amen to who God is amidst the ongoing and very real inequities that persist in our society and clearly disproportionately affect people of color. We gathered in the Bronx, New York, to say amen to the word of God. And with every amen, we agreed with God. With every amen, we explicitly communicated our assent to God's transcendent power in our lives and in our community. With every amen, we collectively said, show enough. It is so. We agree. Surely, surely. And the more and more life experiences that I have, I've only grown to appreciate that declaration of amen. Because with more and life, more and more life experience, we, we get to see just how difficult and how real a step of faith it is to say amen in the midst of. I don't think I need to list the, the happenings of just this year to remind us of the supposed threats to our saying amen. The unique and dire circumstances that might provoke us to quiet our amen. To tone it down a little bit. Maybe even to doubt our amens. The scenarios that literally try to snatch that amen from our mouths and fill it instead with fear and doubt and maybe even complacency which can be just as dangerous. But I want to this morning invite you through this Facebook live medium and by way of declaration to let the church say amen. The Apostle Paul here in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians and all of Philippians really is admonishing the church at Philippi, to say amen. Having reminded them at the end of chapter 3 of their heavenly citizenship, which we talked about a bit last week, and their glorious destiny, Paul now returns to, if you will, the pastoral concerns of the present, that they need to stand firm and in unity in the gospel, even if and when their experience and observations are screaming everything but standing firm and everything but being united. Does that sound familiar to any of us this morning? Unless we think that all of the chaos outside of the church, and to be clear, there's certainly a lot of chaos, uh, Paul briefly and gently reminds them and us that even those who call Jesus Lord, we got some issues. We sometimes say things that might even perpetuate the very gaps we say we are here to reconcile. The woman that he references in verses uh, 2 and 3 were faithful servants in the house of God, serving alongside Paul. 
We don't know a whole lot about them except that they, we know that they love Jesus. And they were having some difficulty channeling that love, his love, for each other, being reconciled to one another. But Paul, in essence, is beckoning the church community to say yes to who God is, yes to what he can do, and to come alongside these women and help them by being conduits through whom the Holy Spirit works, help them to be the church. Let the church say, Amen. This is where you might text the neighbor and say, well, amen to what? <laughs> and certainly there's much, but for our context today, say amen to rejoicing always. Say amen to letting his peace guard. Say amen to paying attention to truth, capital T. Say amen to being satisfied with Jesus. Now, I, as a, a, a trained counselor and educator, am quite sensitive to the all or nothing thinking and language. And how it can affect one's overall beliefs about sense of self and, and ultimately can affect actions. Always and never, for example, can be very tricky. I always mess up. I always miss the shot at the end of the game. I never get anything right. Parents, you might hear this one. You never let me do anything. You always say no. Very rarely when we use such terms... Are we really describing what's accurate? Except here, though, Paul says rejoice always. Which, in light of what I just said, probably begs a bone to pick with Paul. Do you really mean always here, Apostle Paul? I know you're a giant in the faith, but always? Because sometimes, Apostle Paul, there's a pandemic. Sometimes there's we're attending funerals through Zoom. Sometimes we're just exhausted. By racism. And we don't want to talk about it anymore because it just adds to the trauma. Sometimes we don't even like ourselves. Sometimes we just want to tell our boss that he or she can take that strategic plan and we want to tell him what to do with it. Sometimes we just don't want to rejoice. Apostle Paul. But of course, Apostle Paul has some sense of this. The brother's in prison, which is a far cry from... From, from wherever, Montego Bay, the Sandals Resort, if you will, where it would be a lot easier to rejoice from there. Prison is not meant to necessarily be fun. So he's not being insensitive to what's real. And in a very real sense, he's saying, look, I know you don't always feel like it. I know that you may not feel like the Lord is near, as it says in the, the latter part of verse 5 of this chapter. I know sometimes you get up... Maybe even early in the morning at 4 a.m. because you're trying to follow Jesus's example, getting up, going and setting yourselves aside. But when you do and you pray and get in the word of God, you don't feel like he's there. You don't feel like you're connecting. You're reading your word. You're doing everything you know to do. And yet you just don't feel like God is present with you. Has anybody been there? Anybody ever experienced that? Many ways, Apostle Paul, it's like he's saying, I know that as I tell you not to be anxious, that your heart is probably racing right now. I know that as I tell you to let peace to guard your heart, you can only see and, and, and experience and feel the chaos of this world. I know that as I tell you to let truth be the object of your careful attention and study, that partisanship is knocking on your door. I know that as I share about my learning to be content in every circumstance, that you are struggling to reckon your social condition with the man-made social inequities that made it way more likely for you to even be in these circumstances. I know. 
And yet we see this underlying empathy here from Paul. There's a, an acknowledgement that, that, yes, I know you may not want to say amen, but it is especially in these moments that you declare the truth of God's word and say amen. That we declare that the Lord is near the brokenhearted, as Psalm 34 says. That the Lord does, in fact, work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, as Romans 8 and 28 says. That yes, yes, we are hard pressed on every side, but I declare that we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but again, I declare we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but I declare that we are not abandoned. Struck down. But I declare we're not destroyed, 2 Corinthians 4 says. That peace belongs to those who trust in Jesus, Isaiah 26 and 3 says. Let the church, let the church say amen. These are incredibly surreal times, y'all. This is, this is, this is... <laughs> No words, right? It's, 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 it's a difficult, trying time. I haven't really talked to many people who haven't on some level said, gosh, this is really interesting and hard, difficult. There's enough trauma to go around. Isolation can be traumatic. Job loss, traumatic. Financial strain, persisting racism, traumatic. Ongoing health challenges and other personal stressors amidst it all, traumatic. Why are we saying amen? <laughs> Why again? One, because his word, Hebrews 4 and 12 says, his word is living and it's active. And if we flip to the old, Older Testament, it says in Isaiah chapter, chapter 55 and 11, that when his word goes forth, it does not return empty. But that it's going to accomplish that for which he sent it. It's going to accomplish his desire. And so we say amen together because we believe that even while we go through, even while we go through all of this, <laughs> this pandemic, all of the trying circumstances, some that are collectively shared, some that just might be your, your own individually, that just like Mephibosheth, if I can shift to 2 Samuel 9 for a moment to illustrate this point, just like Mephibosheth, God is at work and he's at work in ways that we just, we can't see. It's like he's working behind our back for our benefit. If you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and if you don't, maybe take a, 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 some time to take a glance at this, this, this brief story of Mephibosheth. He's the grandson of Saul, son of Jonathan. He was lame in both feet because at a young age when somebody was rushing him out of a certain area, there was a fall that wasn't described in detail, but he's lame in both feet. And the conditions... No doubt that we are enduring right now have rendered our movement in a variety of ways more difficult. Mephibosheth had some physical challenges, made it difficult for him to move and go about. And yet in 2 Samuel 9, Mephibosheth finds himself in, himself in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar, a place that of, it was of no pasture, no uh, economic vitality, no mobility. It was rough for a brother in Lodabar. And without his realizing it, King David comes on the scene asking what he can do for the son of Jonathan. King David had Mephibosheth come before him. And, and when David saw him, he says, you know what? I'm going to restore all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, 
and you will always eat at my table. It says in that narrative that Mephibosheth was just like, why are you, why me? Why, why this dead dog? He kind of just doesn't understand why David is looking on him, which I don't know if you're like me at times. I'm like, Lord, who am I that you're mindful of me? Here Mephibosheth was in Lodabar just a moment ago. Now he's in Jerusalem eating at the king's table. I don't know how this word maps onto your life. I'm wanting to testify a bit about my own life, but I don't know how it, it, it maps onto your own life. Only you know. I can only share that which God has given me for this moment this morning in this particular season. And that is that God is always, always at work, even behind our backs. And so when Paul says rejoice always, it's not because we feel like it. It's knowing that God is at work. And know this, there may be some lingering scars. There may be some lingering scars from this particular season in time. Lord knows my family and I, that, that, that my family and I, and, and, and the experiences of the, the last eight months, I think only time is going to tell just how deep a variety of, of experiences we've endured have, have gone. Some of these experiences may leave a mark, but here's where I'm encouraged, and I pray that you are encouraged as well. If I can go back to Mephibosheth for just a moment, he was still lame in both feet, but sitting at the king's table. And where I suspect at this king's table, they had some some real nice long linens such that you could not even see the marks, the scars, the lame feet in his circumstance. You couldn't see it. Kind of like some of us showing up to these meetings or your Zoom meetings. If you happen to have to go to a lot of Zoom meetings, you know, you got the start shirt up top and gym shorts and socks or no socks on the bottom. He couldn't make out the scars, couldn't tell the brother was lame in his feet because he's sitting at the king's table. And by faith today that with God at work behind our backs all the time, we can and will go through this and much more where we don't even notice the, star, the scars on the other end of it. That's the declaration. A marriage that's going through a tough times. I declare restoration and wholeness. Subject to racism much? For years, perhaps, may God's peace guard your heart and restore all that's been taken. Inarticulable grief and loss and pain, restoration of peace and strength. Health challenges that really only you know have affected you in very deep ways beyond the physical. Restoration. Mental health issues and concerns. Restoration. Restoration. Unrelenting cynicism, particularly in this time where there used to be faith. I, may we, declare restoration. Let the church say amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, your word is true. Your word is living. Your word is active. And may we, amidst a season that is trying in many ways for for most, if not all, may we still rise up individually and I would say even more importantly, corporately, and say amen to the promises of your word. If you're watching this this morning and, and you've yet to say amen to anything God has ever said, ever, and you want to say your first amen by way of accepting Jesus into your life, in other words, giving up your will in exchange for his will in your life. 
that can happen right now wherever you're sitting. In this moment, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you are saved. Saved from the penalty of sin. And then throughout this lifelong journey, we get to partner with Jesus to be saved from the power of sin. And we pray in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We now get the privilege to partner with him to see heaven here on earth. And a part of that is seeing the peace that Jesus made on the cross in the shedding of his blood, drawing us nearer, tearing the veil such that now we can go into the throne room of God ourselves. That that peace that he made can guard our hearts and minds. That our joy isn't based in happenings, but it's based in the truth of God's word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to partner with you. And if you this morning make that choice for the first time, we celebrate with you. A great choice, a great decision that changes your life for the better forever. God, I just pray a particular prayer over all of us more generally as we are navigating this season and we're trying to figure out, Lord, and what does it look like to find a rhythm? Is there a rhythm in this madness? Is there some sanity we can find? God, what does it look like? I'm just trying to survive. Lord, I pray for strength from on high, comfort. I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray, Father, that you would uh, allow us the clarity of mind as we read your word, to have it illuminated for us in such a way that we can walk it out even in the midst of this time. And may we say amen to words that seem foreign and far from our reality. Because if we know you, you are the God who speaks into what seems to be reality, your reality, at which every other reality has to bow. And so let the church say amen today today and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family and friends, love you much. Um, we are praying for all of us every single day um, and no doubt acknowledge, uh, as the Apostle Paul did in this text, as he wrote it from prison, acknowledging that this life isn't without challenge that we are going through on a variety of fronts. And yet, as we collectively say amen and agree with God's will, agree with God's promise, agree with God's destiny, agree with God's action when we don't even see it happening, that we can go through as we keep our eyes to the hills, beyond the hills from where our help comes from and say amen. Heavenly Father, we are thankful again. As we do that, family and friends, uh, I declare that we can live in victory, not in, in and of our own strength. Apostle Paul wasn't by any means saying it's because I am who I am that I can be content in any circumstance. He recognized whose arm was holding him up and through that saying it's in him, through him, I can be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so with that, family, let's live in victory. Have an amazing day, an amazing spirit-filled week. Bless you.